Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. We're joined once again here by Amy Stolberg. Excited to have her. Uh, she's a private psychotherapist and also a life coach. Uh, Amy Stol- uh, Stolberg is the name of the company. And if you'd like to reach her, you can go to her website, amystolbergtherapy.com. How are you today? Good morning, Jill. I'm doing great. Thanks. How about you? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Here in New York, weather not so bad. How was yours? <laughs> a little smoky from where I am upstate. It's coming down, I guess they said, another advisory. But we'll get through it, right? Um, yep. mm-hmm. We did We did that two weeks ago. So, yeah, you're up near uh, Lake Ontario, correct? Correct. So we're getting the uh, smoke from the Canadian um, fires. Well, I wish you guys luck. We'll get through it together. For new-time listeners, Amy, tell us a little bit about the work you do, please. I am a psychotherapist of 30 years, also a life coach. I work with young adults and adults, Um have worked with people anywhere from age 5 to 85 um, in a variety of settings. I am a single parent of two young adults and um, love what I do, love the people I work with, and I've learned just as much from them as they have learned from me. So I, I come here just to share a couple pearls of wisdom. And we're ready to listen. What did you have in mind today? We've had some great talks in the past. And uh, do you have an area of focus for us today? Well, I kind of wanted to touch on the difference between therapy and life coaching. Sure. Um, and then maybe um, give a couple of skills uh, for people to take away. So um, I wanted to talk about the difference between the therapy and the coaching. Is Therapy is really about healing the past. Mm-hmm. And coaching is focusing on the future. Um, gaining therapy is gaining insight and resolving feelings from the past and coaching is about uncovering your goals and what's blocking you from achieving your dreams Um, in therapy you make a treatment plan to manage mental health symptoms and coaching is developing a collaborative plan that allows you to achieve your dreams Um, therapy is talking about the problems of the past and Coaching is talking about the possibilities of the future. And I think that, you know, that's that's where the the difference is. And people often start with the mental health, the therapy, and then get themselves to the point of life coaching because they want to take those things and move them forward. And by the way, as a life coach, you can work with anyone in any state, right? Correct. That's also Correct. a difference. There's Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, with therapy, it is definitely to the states that you are currently um, licensed in, and I am a licensed clinical um, therapist in the state of New York, and I'm looking to get some collaborative licensing in some of the other surrounding states. Coaching, you can do uh, nationally and internationally, and, and that's where I'd like to kind of go with things. Um, what I've learned over the 30 years is that no matter where you are, where you were born, the color of your skin, the language you speak, your personal characteristics, um, emotion is emotion, love is love, pain is pain, personal goals and, and sense of achievement is is the same no matter where you are. We all have those internal drives to want to do better. And I think that's, you know, kind of the universal message is that we we all can benefit, whether it be from therapy and then or life coaching. So... There's no borders to that. And also, just to point out, the state that you are licensed in then to work as in the private sector, is, is it New York? I am licensed in New York. 
Um, I am working on reciprocal licensing for other states um, that are outside of New York so I can work with some of those people because a lot of my clients who lived in New York who've moved to other states would like to continue working with me for the continuity of their care. And that, that can't happen if you're doing therapy, mm-hmm. if it's the mental health stuff, unless you're licensed in those states. So I am um, continuing to pursue the reciprocal licensing in those other states that will allow them. Got it. All right. Thank you. Good to know. Yeah, because that does get confusing. How do I, you know, so if you're getting life coach, it's you're working on the future. You're not working on the past and the root cause of things, right? You're working strictly on moving forward. So how do you make that judgment what somebody needs when they come to you? I guess it depends on what they feel that they are coming for. You know, I'll ask somebody what they want to get out of our time together. And it's focused on, you know, crisis at hand or past issues. And that's the therapy kind of stuff, digging down into what's causing some of the um, the mental health crisis for them at the moment, what issues are coming up and, and severely impacting their current life as it is. If those are the deeper psychological issues, whether it be, you know, family history, generational trauma, um, trauma, um, you know, significant mental health stuff, then that's, that's the therapy stuff. You have to stabilize those things before you can really look to further your future. I mean, we all think about the future. Um, in fact, that sometimes when people think too much about the future in an unhealthy way, that's where you get the anxiety. Um, People who spend too much time thinking about the past cause themselves depression. They think about all the things that they could have or should have done. And that, you know, hurts them mentally and emotionally. People who spend too much time thinking about the future, all the what ifs, not the the big goal stuff, but the the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if the sky falls Mm -hmm. are causing themselves to kind of spiral um, mentally and emotionally, and that causes significant anxiety that can immobilize them so that they can't even function at the moment. Um, So, you know, helping people kind of come into the moment, um, see where they are now, what's caused them to be where they are now. And if we need to dig in there, then we will. And when that's resolved, then moving it into their, their future. And uh, for our listeners, let's just remind them, Amy Stolberg, you could be reached how? Amy Stolberg Therapy, amystolbergtherapy.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And what else did you want to share with us today? Um, just the, that I focus on more of the holistic kind of approaches. You know, you can, there's all kinds of different therapists out there, all kinds of different therapies out there. And some people are very rigid to whatever specific therapy they were early trained in. Now, in my early training, we you learn about all of them. Some some people, some practitioners hold strongly onto one, and they just say, I'm a this. And to be honest, a lot of my early supervisors didn't like the fact that from early on, I, I said that I'm eclectic. And that would drive some of the old therapists crazy because they were trained in a very rigid way that you pick your therapy and you stick with it. And I didn't see it that way. I, I saw that, you know... People are different, and therefore, not everything works for everyone. You know, not the same thing works for everyone, and you have to know what that that client needs and work with that. So, I'm very eclectic. I'll use what needs to be be used. When I work with kids, I, I did a lot of play therapy or cognitive behavioral play therapy or 
um, trauma, you know, a cognitive based trauma therapy as I work with, you know, some of the adults who didn't want to do, let's say, play therapy. Um, it was the cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, the, the combination between thinking, feeling and doing. And, you know, for those people who really want to dig into their their family history and maybe trauma, generational trauma that's been passed down. You know, I, I work on on more of the, the family based treatments. Um, so I, I am an eclectic therapist. I'm not going to claim to be one. Am I formalized trained in some, you know, particular therapies? Yes, I am um, trained as a cognitive behavioral play therapy as, as well as cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as cognitive behavioral trauma therapist. I do have all the training. I use it as needed. My approach is very holistic, working on both the, the mental, the emotional, the psychological, bringing in other aspects of a person's life. And that might be physical, uh, intellectual, social, spiritual, um, moving into the, the coaching stuff. It's, it's professional and personal, um, a little bit, you know, more focused on. So, you know, not just dealing with like some of the, the um, physical, the emotional stuff, but actually broadening up somebody's life to include different aspects of their life, which can add, you know, benefit to their, their current state. Thank you so much. All right. And by the way, if you are just tuning in, Amy's been doing this for quite a few years right? She has amazing experience and just it's important new people tuning in. Just tell me a little bit about your background if you don't mind before we continue. Um, I am one of five um, children born to two two of the same parents who were um, young parents and didn't have the best of um, parenting, didn't have the best uh, ability to to teach themselves or their children the, the skills that they needed to survive in this world, not you know, psychologically, not emotionally, not financially. Um, I was one of those kids who moved around a lot in, in my childhood. So I was always the new kid and I had to learn to, to fit in. And I know for a, a lot of people out there that the choices their parents made affected them. And some people very negatively, some people out of those negative experiences became very strong. Um, I would say that, you know, I've had my difficulties, but I've learned to take those um, those emotional injuries and turn them into strengths um, and and move that forward. I, uh, from an early age, could understand the discomfort that other people went through and kind of fell into, you know, human service as a, a social worker have, you know, my, my bachelor's and my master's. I am a licensed clinical social worker and, and therapist of many years. Um, so just fully using who I am, I say that, you know, those things that are our weaknesses um, become our strengths. So your superpower can also be your kryptonite, but if you know how to harness your superpower, it can be an amazing thing. Um, you try to learn the skills you need to not allow that superpower to become your kryptonite. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, today is, well, before a holiday weekend, right? We have um, always a lot of angst, I think, and anxiety around holidays and expectations uh, with seeing family, friends, and summer's here. Do people tend to be more calmer in the summer? Or, like, how does it, in your field, what do you find, like, is winter the most depressing? And people need more help? That Like, what? Yeah, could you share a little bit about that? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, people definitely get, get a little bit um, cranked up around the holidays. Holidays bring a lot of things for a lot of people, whether it be the family contact, um, bringing up, you know, past emotional issues when you're with family. Family is a, you know, a, a wonderful thing. A lot of people love to see their family come and visit, and a lot of people are happy to see their family go home. Yeah. And, you know, the two times of the year that people have the most difficulty with their mental health is um, late fall into the, the winter and then late spring before it actually becomes summer. Uh, I think that there's reasons for that. You know, I say Thanksgiving is the springboard to health because that's when people start thinking about the holiday seasons and start getting very anxious about, you know, seeing family, bringing up family issues. They get worried about the finances that come with the holidays, travel, um, the the mood, the weather affects the mood significantly. For people who have um, seasonal affective disorder, it starts kicking in. And oftentimes by the time it, it starts to kick in, it's a, it's a little late for those people who, let's say, take uh, medications to, a, you know, combat seasonal affective disorder. I say get on it in the fall. Don't wait until winter is really here um, because it will it'll take a couple months for it to really get up to, to level. Um, winter can be very difficult. People get, um, get tired of being in the house. And gloomy weather, spring comes and people get excited to, to get out. But it then, until spring is really solidly here, it's just kind of tormenting. So the two times of the year that I have seen mental health start to deteriorate is into the fall, into the winter, and then late, um, late spring until we actually solidly get into summer. I encourage my, my clients to prepare for that year after year if they know that they're affected significantly by the seasons. Um, have, have something in place, whether it be have their medication lined up, have their, you know, card full of, of skills, have, you know, a plan for those days that they, they know that they haven't felt good in the past. Don't wait until you're in the midst of crisis to plan for the crisis. Um, get a, get a head start on that. When you know that that's who you are and, and how you react and you're prepared for it, it goes much easier than, you know, swimming in the middle of the, the pond and then getting sucked down and, and wondering why that happened. Well, yeah. yeah. This, oh, go ahead. I was going to say this, this, you know, coming week with the holidays, uh, the 4th of July weekend, definitely I, I see my, my clients, you know, get a little bit more anxious. Um, True. And, you know, irritated. So, you know, helping them kind of pre-plan, okay, what they're doing, who they're going to see, what the plan is, when, whether they're visiting family, um, do they have an exit plan if that's what they need? If they know that, you know, if they stay too long, it goes from a beautiful, you know, family gathering to an ugly situation, then going, making their appearance and having an exit plan. Yeah. Got it. Absolutely. And do you have a, you know, a specialty with, the, you know, I know you're good at everything. Is there something you really enjoy helping people with the most or do you see the most of lately in your practice? Boy, you know what I, I see the most of is um, communication stuff, relationship stuff is, is jumped out much. I mean, that's kind of number one is the relationship you have with the people around you. And what goes hand in hand with the relationship is the communication you have with the people around you. 
how you interact with them. Communication is key to all of it and helping people learn how to communicate better. We all think we're wonderful communicators. And when I say, let's talk about some communication skills, you know, sometimes people are like, oh yeah, I know how to communicate. Well, if that were the case, then as many people wouldn't be in crisis or conflict with, with the people around them as, as they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, addressing some of the, the communication stuff, I've seen more issues around relationship stuff, couples, couple relationship stuff, young couples, uh, older couples, um, probably equally as much as the, the family stuff, the relationships, you know, difficulties people have from their family of origin, more and more and more I, I see, um, you know, the hot, hot word is, you know, narcissistic, narcissistic behavior, um, what's going on there. And I, I think that it's, it's both one partner who's maybe a little self-serving and maybe another partner who doesn't see the red flags of what those behaviors are early on. Uh, much more than I would have ever thought that I would have seen in, in my practice. So I see uh, those dynamics. I, I also see a lot of um, codependency kind of stuff. I think with the number of um, and the, the problems that we're having with drug culture, I don't think people have really stopped to think about the impact that is having on the families of those people who are either drug dependent um, of one way or another, there are the partners, there are the children, not just the person who is using the drugs, but it's significantly affecting the other people in, in the family that are connected. And I think that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the kind of impact that is having on, um, the, on people, on the families. Um, you know, we focus on the, the person who's, using the drugs or having drug issues, which is very important, but you, we can't be myopic and think that it's just that one person who's having the issue. It's a family issue. It is systemic. There are partners being affected and trying to hold it together. There are children being negatively affected. The things that the children are, are seeing, that will then become them, you know, that becomes their family trauma. And those kind of things that they are learning overtly and covertly are partners um, to, you know, people who are utilizing drugs or, you know, maybe trying to hold it all together and um, carry the, the burden. I've seen more issues around, um, around relationship stuff and the impact of drugs more than I ever thought I would. Um, and you know, single parents trying to hold it together for their children because of the impact that drugs may have had on, on their family. Um, it, it is an epidemic, and I think it's so much further reaching than people even realize. And I know you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of pressure and anxiety from just our environment, people around us. And what about, you know, on our younger generation and older at this point, the social media factor of everyone, the perception of everyone being so amazingly perfect and this and that. And it's like, wait, what? It makes us feel inferior at times. It makes us self-doubt and and not be as confident as we should be. But that's a whole nother thing that's happening with our 
younger generations, right? Uh, the expectations of what we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to look and dress. And it's, that's mind boggling. I'm just, you know, worried about these young adults, how they feel and what's going on in their minds. Something we didn't have as much peer pressure with growing up. I mean, you have commercials and you have print ads that were retouched, but now it's just everywhere in their face 24 seven. Absolutely right. And that is another big one. I'm glad you mentioned that because what I am seeing from a lot of my 20 and 30 somethings is a lot of isolation and loneliness. Now, you would think with social media and the ability to reach out and connect with people all over the world, that people would not feel that emptiness. But in fact, people, so many young people do. Now, social media and the internet is wonderful. It allows us to do this that we're doing right now. It allows people to get information and knowledge that they may never have had the opportunity to get. But, you know, people who are inundated with those images of perfection of what they should be um, is is really damaging to our, our young people. And the socialization, it's so much easier for people to interact via a text message or or video chat, because then they can turn it turn it off and go back to themselves. I've got 20-somethings that, wonderful young people that feel so isolated and lonely because they don't know where to go to meet people, because they don't know how to socialize with other people, because they have these images that they're not good enough, they're not perfect enough. And, you know, I try to communicate to them because I'm on this side of the screen that, it's not true because I meet so many people on that side of the screen. I know that what people are seeing is that perfect image, that perfect family, that perfect whatever is not true because all those semi-perfect people are coming to me to talk about what's really behind that perfect mass. And it's not perfect. You know, I, I wish I could find a way to connect all, all these young people who are having these self-esteem issues and, you know, high anxiety issues about either not being perfect or about what other people are, are thinking about them. You know, I, I believe that if I asked everybody who felt like they were sitting in a silo by themselves to walk out on their front porch at noon and look down the street, that what they would see is so many yeah. people also, you know, standing on their porch looking down the street at noon who also felt that they were alone in, in a silo by themselves. So many people feel it, and there just hasn't been a really great vehicle in yep. which to break those barriers down again and bring people back together. Um, I can encourage, you know, social meetup groups, looking into community events that kind of touches on those other aspects, the holistic approach of, you know, the physical stuff, the, the um, spiritual stuff, the social stuff, you know, finding other ways to connect with people and, and not necessarily the the media where you're, you know, going to look for your, your next best, you know, partner. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Um, but go do something that you enjoy doing, not with the expectation that you're going to meet your, your new best person, but because it's something you enjoy doing or you want to learn how to do. And ironically, there are going to be other people there who also enjoy doing that activity or want to learn more about that activity. And then, that automatically have something in common. Um, so, you know, getting the, the courage to put themselves out there and interact with people in person again is huge. The anxiety it, it creates for people, um, 
I, you know, I tell my clients, I don't think other people think about us nearly as much as we think they think about us. Yeah. You know, and ask them to think themselves when they see someone or notice something, do they really overthink that or is it a momentary fleeting thing? So if, if somebody looks at you, it's not because there's anything wrong with you. It may be just an instinctual thing to look that direction. Mm-hmm. Somebody notices you. Yeah. That's an instinctual thing. We notice our surroundings, but we we have to not get in our heads and and spiral out that they're thinking X, Y, and Z about about us because that might be that person's insecurity and that person knows nothing about us. So you know, kind of not overthinking that kind of stuff, not spiraling out, but taking the the risk, being brave enough to put themselves out there and interact with people because the perception that people have of other people is typically off the mark. Always, always is, to be honest. It's, yeah, I think so. It's just what we do as humans, but we got to learn to stop. And unfortunately, we're just about out of time, Amy, for us today. Uh, Tell us how we can reach out to you and contact you. Thank you. AmySoberTherapy.com amysilbertherapy.com perfect thank you and amy a-m-y-s-t-o-l-b-e-r-g therapy.com just want to make sure we have the correct spelling thank you so much for today and again beautiful purple if you're not on the zoom cast she's got the purple butterfly flowers in the background the glasses the lipstick she's on point today i don't have any orange lipstick maybe next time all right thank you so much amy have a fantastic day you too enjoy the holiday weekend as well bye-bye Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. This is you over 30 years ago. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And this is your mom when you drive her back from therapy. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Roles change without us noticing, and in your new role, we help you help. AARP gives you the information to help care for your mom so that you can have patience with her, just like she did with you. Visit aarp.org caregiving or call 1-877-333-5885 to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Are we there yet? Remember... Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. AARP. We help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.